Welcome to Day 264 of Shaped by the Word. I'm Paul Kemp here with, uh, I was about to say, Matt Keefe and David Kresge. Hey, what's it up? It really work that way. That's <laughs> yeah, uh, Matt and David, and uh, David, a, David would be the Matt Keefe, Keefe and Matt would be the Kresge. There is. Yeah, yeah, there is a. Shout out. Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, we come by, we continue in our journey through Matthew, and it's been a rich journey as uh, Matthew you know, takes from the tapestry of the Old Testament and in these images, you know, shows us, you know, clear portraits of Christ. And, and of course, you have his description of those, uh, you know, teachers of the kingdom who have been schooled in the law, how they bring out old and new treasures. And that certainly has been a description of Matthew. Uh, he gives us the richness of these Old Testament images as seen in the face of Christ. And uh, when we come into chapter 21, we have uh, the king coming into the city of Jerusalem. And this is a movement that has been anticipated by the Old Testament. But when we see it, it's far more humble than anything uh, you know, that we possibly would have imagined. Far different you know, than what would have happened just a few days earlier you know, around Passover as Pilate you know, came in from Caesarea in order to be in the city of Jerusalem just in the show of power during Passover when national you know, ambitions, you know, were inflamed. And he would have come in with all the power of Rome, with soldiers, you know, on every side with the banners of Rome, uh, riding on a white horse with all the regalia of, of power and royalty. And yet Jesus comes in riding on a, a young cult that had never even been, you know, ridden. And the cult is even accompanied by its its, its mom. Yeah. Uh, so you have, you know, you have the, uh, the mother and the young cult, you know, coming in together. And it, it's just a humble entrance into the city of Jerusalem. So before we read and before we uh, portray our, our king as coming into the city of Jerusalem in order to restore it and to bring in the hope that God has promised, um, let's offer this moment to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the beautiful story that you've invited us into. We thank you for the Images in the Old Testament that uh, many times are foreign to us and for even traditions of the first century that are a little bit out of our reach, but how you in time have shown yourself to your people and revealed your very heart to redeem a people and to restore everything that we've lost to the ravages of our sin. We thank you for a humble king uh, who is a king who brings purity, a king who brings hope, and a king who restores all things. May we be restored and renewed as we read your word. May you, through your spirit, do your work in us and carry to completion what you began when we came to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you. And once you'll find a donkey tied there with her colt by her, Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them, brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of them and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. 
When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to him, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priest and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Did you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants? You, Lord, have called forth your praise. And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, where he spent the night. Early in the morning, as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. Then he said to it, May you never bear fruit again. Immediately the tree withered. When the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can set this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Jesus entered the temple courts, and while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked, and who gave you this authority? Jesus replied, I will also ask you one question. If you answer me, I'll tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. John's baptism, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or of human origin? They discussed among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, he will ask, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, we're afraid of the people, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So the answer Jesus, we don't know. And then he said, neither will I tell you about what authority I'm doing these things. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did what the father wanted? The first they answered. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect its fruit. Tenants seized the servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned the third. Then he sent another servant to them, more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent a son to them. They respect my son, he said. When the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He'll bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied, and he'll rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in Scripture, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Anyone who falls on the stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parable, they knew he was talking about them. 
And they looked for a way to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowd because the people held that he was a great prophet. <clears throat> what a story. Yeah. What a tragic uh, the story is very realistic, you know. It starts, you know, you have, of course, it builds on a, a similar, you know, similar uh, song of the vineyard, you know, that comes from the book of Isaiah. But you have a cultivated field, you have a vineyard, and you have a tower, and you have a, uh, you know, an absentee landlord who's collecting the rent, you know, from the vineyard and allowing uh, the tenants to live on the proceeds, and, and and they reject him. And then the more you tell the story, the more. Uh, unnatural it becomes it's unthinkable that anyone would treat you know the servants that way much less treat the son that way and think that they could take you know possession of the vineyard but that's exactly what uh, the leaders of Israel uh, were doing taking possession of the things of God for their own purposes and their own kingdom and now God's giving that vineyard to those who will produce its fruit yeah, as, as we see the unfolding of the tax collectors and the prostitutes entering into the kingdom of God Pretty wild. You have to love. I mean, it's just so many. I feel like unexpected things happening. You know, Jesus enters into the city in an unexpected way. The people who you don't expect to cry out are the people crying out. The people that should have received him are the people who don't receive him. And even Jesus says, you know, words to him at the end. You know, where he's saying, "You guys are missing it." And you get kind of that harsh line by Matthew at the very end. You know, they wanted to put him to death. You know, I mean, just over and over again. I'm just. I'm just reminded, I mean, how it's just unexpected. All, all of this would have been in that moment and, you know, for Jesus to enter in. And, and, I, and I love, you know, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But it's the chief priests and the teachers of the law who saw the wonderful things he did and children shouting, and yet they still don't, you know, they don't even give a thought to who he could possibly be. Instead, it's just we've got to kill this man. You know, we got yeah. to get rid of this guy. And of course, in the Old Testament, uh, if you were blind or lame, you, you could not, you know, serve as a priest, mm-hmm. which means you could not have gone into, uh, you know, the presence of God or to the inner court, you know, of the temple. And so you have them sitting on the outside, you know, court of the temple. And uh, because of God's you know, healing or Jesus' healing work, you, you get this picture that you get from the Old Testament of the blind and the lame. You know, being invited in, mm-hmm. and those who had been marred and destroyed, you know, by life, finding their presence, you know, in the very face and the very, you know, in the very heart of, you know, the temple, uh, rejoicing with God. And so you have a lot of, you know, temple, you know, metaphors in there, mm-hmm. or temple images, mm-hmm. and big, bigger than metaphors actually, uh, because of Jesus really acting out what God is about to do, you know, in the kingdom. So no sooner does the king come in. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know the, the entry into the, uh, the entry into Jerusalem is in many ways a symbol of victory. You know, a king would enter in a processional after a great victory, and of course, this king is entering into a processional before a great victory. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll be on, on yeah, the cross, and he's also entering in. You know, uh, not as a conqueror, but as a as a healer, as a peaceful man. Mm-hmm. And then he goes into the temple. Then, of course, the outer court was for the nations. And uh, he's clear as the out of court. Mm-hmm. So again, Old Testament prophecy can be fulfilled, mm-hmm. and the nations can pour, you know, to the living God and receive life, you know, receive receive life from Him. You know, how wild is all that? That all these prophecies are being fulfilled in the telling uh, in, in chapter twenty-one. Even the blind are being able to see. All these prophecies are being fulfilled, and as y'all point out, the guys who were supposed to see it are blind to it all, and it's happening right in front of them. 
Yeah. And maybe you know, blind and, and, and lame is not even a good word. They, they probably see, but are so deeply, mm. you know, attached to their kingdoms uh, that you know they refuse, even though the what you know what, what is in front of them may be far more clear to them, and you know that we might you know think. And, and of course, you you love the quote of the you know, you're, you're causing these children to blaspheme. <laughs> You know, they're saying, you know, Hosanna comes and said, Jesus says, no, haven't you read in the Psalms? This is exactly what was supposed to happen. The children would proclaim, mm-hmm. you know, the coming of the king and, and recognizing, you know, the Lord. So it's far from blasphemy. They're, yeah, they're, they're, hitting, it, they're yeah. hitting it right on, on target. I always love when Jesus says, yeah, you know, he'll, he's about to rebuke somebody or something. <laughs> he says, have you read? And, you know, and he's saying it to like the teachers of the law. <laughs> like, you have all the scrolls, like, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you guys are the ones who not only have read it, but mm-hmm. have memorized it. And yet I tell you, the children have better theology, than a better grasp of scripture than you do. And I mean, isn't, isn't that can be, I guess, uh, said of us, you know, of, oh, yeah. of Jesus, not oh, just yeah. rebuking no, him, but, but man, Matt, have you read? This is how it's supposed to happen. Even, you know, the parable of the two sons. I mean, how many times do I find myself, you know, yeah, I'll do it and just don't do it, you know, and, and feel like I justified myself just yeah. by simply saying, you know, oh yeah, I'll do it. You know, and it's it's the latter that Jesus in, ends up rebuking and saying, "Yeah," and, and of course you have kind of in miniature, you know, the story of the prodigal son, the one son that said, "Nope, I don't want anything to do with you." Then comes back, yeah, and mm-hmm. enters into his father's joy, and the one son who is, you know, dutifully, you know, serving the father, but does not come back and enter into the enter into the father's joy here. And, and of course, you know, the heart of this is that, you know, who are those? Uh, that enter into the kingdom, not those who give lip service, you mm-hmm. know, to doing the will of God, but actually do, you know, actually do the will of God, and it flows nicely into, you know, the parable, you know, the parable of the tenants. It's those who bear the fruit of the kingdom mm. that are truly members of the kingdom, or truly part, you know, truly part of the kingdom. No, it's even what the brother of Jesus went on to say in his letter in James, you know, I'll show you my faith by my deeds, yeah. um, that those two mm-hmm. go together. And then you have the cursing of the fig tree, which is, is also symbolic. But, uh, you have not borne the fruit. Matter of fact, there mm-hmm. was that metaphor in the Old Testament that spoke of the, the blessing of God, everyone sitting under his own fig tree. You know, but here the fig tree, you know, here the fig tree is cursed and the people will not enjoy uh, the blessing because they have not borne the fruit. And I've heard some say that fig tree kind of had the appearance, I guess, of fruit until he got closer. It was just leaves. Is that? I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. That uh, uh, of course, Mark even tells us that it was is not even the, the season for figs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it, it's you know it's, it's a strange parable. You know, all all the way around. Mm-hmm. But there is you know, regardless of whatever the expectations were, of the fig tree, the expectations of God in His vineyard, and the expectation of God with mm-hmm. His people, is that it would bear fruit, and the fruit would be devoted to Him. Mm-hmm. And and that's you know the, the the picture you see. And so the fig tree has failed. The nation has failed. The religious leaders have failed to bear fruit, and mm-hmm. the kingdom will be taken from them and given to those who, who do bear its fruit. Mm-hmm. Matt, I know you have many more thoughts, but I'm <laughs> going to ask you to close us in prayer. Yeah, let's pray. Oh. Father, we thank you for the salvation and the grace that we have in Christ Jesus. May we be people who who bear fruit, um, not out of our own efforts and own work, but over 
out of the overflow of what you've done and yeah. continue to do in and through us. Um, and so, Father, thank you for um, the works that you've prepared beforehand for us to walk in. Would we be found faithful um, as we walk in those? We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.